Hi, this is Nicole Lee Master with a consciousness podcast called Coleology, and you can follow me on SoundCloud, on SoundCloud, Instagram, or Facebook. And today I have one of my professors from JFKU here in California, and his name's Bruce Alderman. And as most of you know who have been on this journey with me, um, I'm dyslexic, and Bruce has an introduction that's a semi-nightmare for people who have dyslexia and anxiety. Um, <laughs> Bruce, <laughs> it's so true. Bruce works in the educational. Te- Bruce works in educational testing during the daytime, and he teaches night classes at JFKU for the transpersonal counseling, psychology, and consciousness and transformative studies graduate programs. Bruce is interested in emerging spiritualities of our time, the integral and interspirituality movements, the intersections of religious and secular philosophical traditions, and other geeky things like that, quote, unquote. (laughs) Most of his writing recently has been for academic integral journals, mostly on the topics of interreligious relationships and translation Translineage Spiritual Practices. That was a mouthful. And I would like to um, say that Bruce taught a class at JFKU that was completely mind-blowing. I had a fellow cohort member and friend that we would literally leave the class feeling like we were mind-blown, and we would have talks upon talks about the information that was downloaded in the class. It was a a paradigms class and it completely shifted the way I view the world. So, um, I am so honored and pleased to have you on this podcast with me and, um, in a dialogue about what you're doing and see where this goes. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. Looking forward to whatever we can explore together. Me too. So, where would you like to start? What's most alive for you right now? Um, yeah, just connecting on on you know our our time together in the classroom. I do remember doing the paradigms class and you being in that. And did you take any other classes? Uh, with you? Yes, with me. I mean. Um. I want to say yes, but for some reason, the Paradigms class had the most impact on me. Yeah, I definitely did. Um, the one that we did poetry in as well, there was like, we did some writing. Uh, yes, okay. I don't remember. I, actually, I don't remember. I just know the Paradigms class for sure. Yeah, that class is really fun for me to teach. And actually, I have to say, um, I'm, I'm really honored and glad that, you know, it could have that kind of uh, influence with you because I was a student at JFK before too and I actually had a similar kind of experience when I first became a JFK student. I took the Paradigms of Consciousness course as well and it was a different instructor but it really impressed me and excited me um, and was uh, really energized by the just the exploration of the different kinds of uh, ways of looking about uh, looking at our consciousness and our modes of being in the world um, it just really excited me, and it's an honor that 
I can now have that chance to, to, you know, carry that class forward as well. Yeah, well, not only did it excite me, um, the things that you spoke of called me into action. Actually, there was several, I think that that, uh, that semester was one of the most powerful ones that I had at JFK. I ended up finding a sweat lodge and I did my first sweat lodge and I had amazing experiences emerge from the sweat lodge. And that was partially from the exploration and teachings from that class that inspired me to do so. And then I also um, had done a meditation in the Oakland graveyard that was super powerful that a few of the cohort members joined me in um, and with the lens of like death and dying and uh, rebirth actually. And what that actually means like beyond the physical form. And there were several other things. Like um, I remember being blown away about the study of, I can't remember the name. Uh, it's like, it was like a photon or some type of oh. app. Yeah, go ahead. Just the, the quantum paradigm, right? Right. About quantum holism. Right. And that was like so... I mean, I, I seriously walked out of that class like, just wow, like whoa, what is going? What so? What is this thing called life and reality? If if when if it can shift in that way by I can't remember exactly how it worked. I remember it was like if you were watching it, it would go in a certain direction. Do Do you want to break that down? What's that? What did you, you say? Would you like to break down what that um, that photon did? It was like if you were watching it, it would. It was an article you had us read, and then we and it showed. Um, and then there was um, diagrams that there was like a study done that if you were watching the photon move through like um, a, a certain like on a certain path, it it would go that way. But if you weren't watching it, it would it would split and go another way or something like that. Yeah, that's the double slit experiment, uh, which Richard Feynman says, if you understand that, um, you really understand kind of the, the heart of the quantum paradigm and, and its paradoxes. And uh, I think the, the central mystery there, the, the difficult thing for people to, to get their minds around, um, including, you know, scientists who are studying this and, and working with it, is, you know, the behavior of a photon or an electron or any kind of subatomic particle, uh, it seems to uh, respond to uh, being observed, not necessarily by being observed just by, by uh, human eyes, but by being detected in any way. And that, that changes what's happening in, in ways that are surprising so that, you know, if you fire uh, a photon at a wall through uh, two slits, um, you know, if it's if the photon is like a, a bullet, you would expect it would just make a single line, um, you know, two double lines on the other side of the slit wherever it hits the wall. Um, but if the photon is like a wave, then when it goes through those two slits, they would interfere with each other and it would make kind of a ripple pattern all along the back wall. And so, Sometimes, depending on whether the photon is observed or not, you get 
um, the straight lines on the back where you get the ripples, and it's really hard to understand um, what's going on there because it seems to imply that a photon is both particle and wave at the same time in a paradoxical way. Uh, and I mean, what what do you think? What do you think that actually means? Like, I mean, that was the thing. Like, I walked out of that class wondering, well, what what is all of this then? Or what what do we think we know? Or what are actually we? Like, we think we know what we are, but then there's still all of this gray matter in our head that we don't know what it does. And then there's gray. Then there's the gray matter. Um, that's found in the universe that they don't know what's going on with that. And I'm just, I'm super intrigued and super curious and, and, and I just wonder what minds like yours think about that. Yeah. Well, in terms of quantum physics, my mind is pretty weak. (laughs) Um, I'm, you know, I admit that it's, it's, uh, it's, I can't get the math at all. Uh, and it's, but I, I feel in good company because quantum physics was mind blowing for Einstein as well. And, and Richard Feynman and many people who are looking at it, it, it really is one of those things, which is a theme in the paradigms class of, of, um, little anomalies that show up in our everyday perception of the world don't conform with how we think things should be and the more that you pull at that thread the more you find all of your assumptions coming undone Mm. and I think that's one of the things that you know is happening with the discoveries in the the quantum world is the more that we pull those threads the more we're finding our assumptions about ordinary reality are called into question and that that may be the way we see the world um, is is you know, not correct or is only a faint shadow of something um, really, you know, profound and unimaginable. Yeah. What I feel like with, uh, you know, there's some talk about, you know, consciousness directly influencing the particles, and I think there are some uh, physicists who embrace that, but probably the majority don't. Mm. But I think it's a, it is maybe a stronger uh, implication that's, that's more widely accepted is just the deep relatedness of all elements of the universe, um, that the whole observing situation influences uh, what happens at any, uh, at any level uh, within that situation, that, that everything is, is uh, you know, deeply co-implicated in everything else. Mm. So it just really points to a I think a, a profound, deepened sense of our our participation in yeah. the unfolding of of whatever it is that we're living in, <laughs> and our interwovenness, right? Oh, exactly. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Like I didn't. Um, so the collective unconscious and conscious is maybe more important than we have placed value on as a society or as a a whole because that's actually like what that what that implies is as we all collectively 
collaborate in something that is actually shifting the reality and what we observe and what we're even maybe finding scientifically. Right, right. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, we're, we're somehow involved in it. You know, we don't know the level of our influence, but that there is nevertheless, uh, you know, co-creative um, unfolding happening that, that's unpredictable. And um, I think there's uh, something really exciting, you know, about, about this uh, deeper, more participatory sense of reality that's, that's emerging. Um, just, it, I think it calls us to be uh, more mindful of our, uh, our responsibility yes. to, to the world and, you know, with response, responsibility. And is this where um, your passion with the inner spirituality movements and the intersection of religious, religious um, and philosophical uh, lens come in play? Is this, is this like one of those moving aspects of that roots you? Yeah. Um, you know, I've been interested in, in, you know, philosophy and religion and spirituality for a long time and practiced, you know, different um, spiritual traditions for a long time. And while I, I've benefited a lot from religion um, or from spiritual practices, I'm often also, you know, dismayed by how hard it is for uh, people across religious boundaries to to get along and to understand each other. And there's mm-hmm. so much, you know, violence and, and division in the world, um, mm-hmm. not tied only to religion, but definitely religion is entangled with all of that. Yes. And, you know, so I feel there's such profound beauty that religion has to offer, you know, and, you know, one, one you know, more secularly minded, um, progressive individual might just say, let's scrap religion and, and just, you know, look to other sources for our ethical behavior and our, our responsibility to the world. And I think that's totally legitimate. And then I think we lose something if we just decide to, um, you know, toss out religion because it's so problematic socially often. Um, so, uh, kind of a writing interest of mine for a number of years has been to explore different ways that uh, people can begin to understand each other across religious boundaries, mm. begin to share and practice together. And I, I guess there's a personal side to that as well for me, in that um, you know, in the introduction you read, where it mentions that word translineage, and you know. Don't, I don't, you know, it's a word that's not my own word, but it, it, it's not really anything complicated. It just means practicing from multiple different lineages and, and maybe, you know, from a, a Christian lineage and a, a Buddhist lineage and a shamanic lineage or, you know, there are different lineages of practice and uh, some people are moved nowadays, it seems, to to find a way of living spiritually that um, bridges those worlds. Yes. Um, it can happen in a way that's merely like cafeteria style and eclectic, you know, I'm just going to pick up a little of this here and a little of that there. And that's okay if you're exploring, you know, I, I don't feel anything wrong with that, but I also feel 
um, if you do that too much, you begin to kind of violate the integrity of, of you know, what each of those practices are rooted in. You know, each of those practices are rooted in a whole worldview and a whole sensibility. And um, if you just rip it out, I think you lose something. So kind of a, a writing question for me is, how do you draw from multiple traditions and yet honor the uniqueness of each tradition and not try to collapse them into each other? Um, so allow them to be distinct and and um, don't kind of just like whitewash them or, or turn them into... Uh, you know, a pop version of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, you know? Yeah. J.P. Sears is really good at, at pointing out all the nice ways we do turn things into the pop versions of themselves. You know, that guy on YouTube who does all the ultra-spiritual stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty funny. He's awesome. So, well, it's, you know, it's kind of interesting. So, like, I have several questions about what you just said. Sure. So, yeah. um... Where are you writing about this, and where could people read what you're writing? Um, the most recent thing I, I had published is a very small thing, a little book review. That was published on a blog by Mike Morrell. Um, and he, uh, together with a, a well-known Christian writer named Richard Rohr, just R-O-H-R, just published a book on the Christian Trinity, and the book is looking at how the three elements of the Trinity are deeply related to each other mm. in a kind of a profound, non-dual way. And um, the book is kind of an invitation for us to, uh, in contemplating that nature of God, to move into a more participatory way of being with each other being with creation and being with, with spirit and um, kind of a co-creative participatory way of, of being and practicing like we've just been talking about. So Mike Morrell knew some of my writing in this area and knew I would be you know interested in his book, so he asked me to read it and, and write a little review. So there's that. If you just look up Mike Morrell's um, blog, I think... Maybe maybe, maybe you can just send me um, a link, and I will just link it to um, our discussion for tonight. Sure. Yeah, and then there's just like the um, some integral journals, Journal of Integral Theory and Practice, and there are two books coming out um, pretty soon. Uh, one is uh, called Meta Theory for the 21st Century, and I have an essay in there. And what does and that even book. mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's a whole book, uh, you know, of uh, essays of people looking at, at meta-theory. And meta-theory is basically theory about theory, but what it really is looking at is uh, kind of a, a, a framework or, you know, different frameworks that we might have that allow us to bring theories together that often aren't related to each other and, and find their relationships and mm. find how they can inform each other and illuminate each other mm. uh, so that we can approach wicked problems like climate change and, mm -hmm. and um, you know, gender equality and, mm -hmm. and other kinds of big issues in the world. Sometimes we 
we can't get there because all the people who are looking at it from different disciplines can't communicate with each other. You know, so, you know, I think, yeah. it's, I think it's interesting that, so before we started the podcast, you had asked me like, what was the commonality of what was the themes of these podcasts? And the funny thing is I was like, well, I don't know I mean, we're looking at health and consciousness and how that unfolds, um, for these individuals. But I have to say most of my podcasts do have this overarching theme of bridging commonalities and gaps. Like, and I think that that there's something, I'm kind of glad you asked that question and um, I'm having a chance to watch it unfold because I think there's something interesting about that. I'm not sure what to think, but um, it's just something for me to stay tuned to and um, maybe contemplate on. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I can feel that, that you're bringing these different inquiries together and they all are alive for you in different ways and and you're finding the threads that connect them through your conversations yeah thank you and thank you for being like part of this like seriously and then i i wanted to kind of uh backtrack as well so um when you're talking about going into this translineage spiritual practice um i i feel like i've done I think actually JFK provided the platform um, to do, like to explore in a free way. That was super fun. And so I think I've um, kind of been doing the cafeteria style spirituality, right? <laughs> like, I mean, I, I'll go to this and I'll go to that and it's really great. And as you were speaking, there is something that you lose when you're not going fully deep and immersing yourself in, in the history, right? I mean, it's, it's, there is something about that. And I kind of wonder, um, when there's like, when things are fractal, right? And we live in America and pop culture is very embedded in our, um, well, in our history really. And here I am, you know, really wanting to go deep and, but yet I've, I've kind of done the pop culture style of spirituality. And I kind of wonder like for those who are listening, who have experienced somewhat of a similar thing, who aren't committed to like a religion, um, or, or they're out there like looking still and in search of, and have found several things that fulfill like aspects of of self but haven't gone deep like what do you say about that like what what has your journey said about finding a way to like deeply embed in a few different lineages right um i think uh one thing is in a sense to uh, make some peace with contradiction and paradox uh, by, you know, I don't mean anything really deep and philosophical about that, though you could go deep and philosophical, but I just mean um, allowing certain kind of uh, tensions there to be present in you, and uh, that kind of tension can, can generate creativity. Mm. Uh, and it, it, I'm trying to find the words for it because it's also been a long journey for me, uh, and definitely I've done some of the cafeteria-style stuff, too. I think that's just part of our culture, 
We right. have so many things available, and you know, so I don't want to knock it or say anything wrong about it. I think, in one sense, it's wonderful. It's kind of like the doors are blown wide open, and we have an opportunity to, to taste, you know, kind of the different fruits that have come out, uh, you know, from from many different soils, right. and, and and see what what they're like. And yet, you know, postmodernists would would caution us, you know, that maybe. Uh, we're a privileged culture that is benefiting from also the fruits of colonialism and other things that we've been able to, like, uh, pilfer all kinds of different things and collect them and not respect where they came from. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's not the whole story. I wouldn't want to, to stay there, but I think it's a, it's a nice caution that we, we should listen to. Um, and really think about, you know, where do these things come from and and what are they rooted in? Um, and I think for me, I, I, part of my mind has told me that I need to choose one thing or another, and I, I've never been able... I, I used to have only one or two traditions that I belonged to at a time, but where I am right now, I'm, I'm happy actually um, just learning as much as I can about multiple traditions and, and fine with them allowing them to unfold in parallel mm. and um, and to discover uh, a lot of richness that emerges between them without having to necessarily reduce them to a single master story, like the idea that they all meet at the top of the mountain. Mm. I, I'm not assuming that there's a single top to the mountain. They, they might go to multiple peaks, you know. Right. Um, so... You know, and there's nothing wrong. Maybe the universe is created enough that there can be multiple peaks, and there's no problem with that, right? Right. So, you know, I think just allowing, uh, you know, each of those things to, to be there and, and to trust both that something emerges between them and that something really is beautiful and unique within them um, that, you know, um, deserves our attention. Mm. And so there's a... I don't know if there's a easy way to approach this in, in our conversation, but some of my uh, writing recently has been around an idea of using the parts of speech as uh, different philosophical lenses that allow us to see reality in a different way. And... Uh, I wanted to mention that just because of what I was saying about um, relating those traditions to each other in that way. I would say that that is a prepositional way of approaching the world with prepositions. Prepositions are about relationship. They're about, uh, you know, lines of connection and, and um, uh, you know, subtle movements between and around and beyond and within. You know, all, all of that uh, uh, sense of, of relatedness in time and space. Um, if you know from our Paradigms class, Wilbur's integral theory, it's built around pronouns, the I and the we and the it. And the That's it's, right. You know, that the I is the subject and the we is our collective culture and the it is the objects, the behavior in the world. It's sort of like the systems of the world. Um, 
So he uses those pronouns to to bring multiple fields of uh, understanding and practice together, so that we can try to you know integrate them in some way. Right. And so I started looking at you know what other you know parts of speech allow us to do too, and um, you know uh, verbs allowing us to see process better, a verbal approach allowing us to see you know process and dynamism, um, and uh, you know, I, I'm not going to go through all those, but one of them that has emerged as important for me is the prepositional one. And uh, to me, kind of the deepest sense of that, I think, is a kind of a, a holographic one or a fractal, fractal one. Do um, you, will, you, will you, just for my own sake, um, I feel like I fully understand fractals. Um, and I feel like holographic. And I want you to continue what you're saying, but I feel like what you're saying is, again, like this is how your class was, pretty mind-blowing and profound, and you're saying a lot of things that could be unpacked for days. Um, and what would you say, the ho- how would you describe holographic in relationship to fractal, or how are they different? Okay, um, yeah, fractal involves uh, kind of a repetition of, of patterns of relationship at different scales. So right. there are you know, these patterns of relationship that exist at a certain scale, but if you look smaller and smaller, bigger and bigger, you find those patterns playing out. Right. Um, so one of the words that they use is just self-similarity, that the universe has self-similarity at multiple scales. Oh, I like that. I haven't heard... Uh, that term, self-similarity. Okay. And so, yeah, it, there's a, you know, it kind of, the universe echoes itself. Um, right. As it, it expands and um, it plays it out similar dynamics. You've seen those cool pictures where the, you know, the, the superstructure of, um, of all the galaxies right. looks somewhat like the neurons in the brain, you know, the connections neural connections in the brain. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm very clear with um, the fractal, and then for some reason I haven't grasped, grasped holographic. I mean, I, I feel like it's like a 360, like, version, uh, like I, and, I, and I just kind of wonder if you could, like, break that down and then so I can have the understanding of it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the basic idea with the, with the holographic is that um, the every part contains the whole, or the whole is contained in every part. Okay. And, okay, that makes and, sense. You know, so in this sense, um, the you know uh, some any any little part that you find of the you know, including you and me. Um, if you really start digging deep in us, you find um, traces of influence from the whole universe in us. Right, from, like from like the stardust, us. right? Exactly. That's like one of the things that you would say, you know, it's like um, our, uh, our origin in the stars, you know, in, in, the, in the eruption of stars and the, the elements that they cast out into the universe and, that's written in our flesh. 
mm. um, and, and the whole evolutionary history of the earth, really, of, of life. Um, we could find traces of it written in, in the structure of our being. Um, and so it's just that sense that, that each part enfolds the whole. And, um, right. Thank you. And it, 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 it's its own unique thing, and yet it, it also has the whole within it. And so that's kind of what I was um, thinking about a, a holographic or a, I was using the word prepositional understanding. Yes, and I um, wanted, and, um, and that's where I wanted to go back to, so thank you so much. Sure, sure. Now, I was just going to say with that holographic, um, that's kind of a, how I'm looking at uh, religions, religious traditions. If we took that holographic approach with religious traditions, then um, we could recognize that there are multiple religious traditions. Each one is utterly unique, and yet each one within itself enfolds the potentials of all the others holographically. Mm. Oh my gosh, that's giving me the chills because it's like the way you just said that and the way you just set it up, I'm thinking of like, this is like, this is like why there's like this thing, this overarching theme of like we're all one or one love or or one, right? I mean, because that would be, right. oh my gosh, like you're you're embedding this in a way that is resonating on a super deep level for me. Cool, cool, good. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, so you're you're um, looking, taking a look at that right now, and and um, on a journey of writing about it. Yes. Yeah. Some of my um, writings have recently have been about that. Um, one coming out. In the, the book on meta theory, it'll it'll talk about that some, and an article in an online journal called Consciousness talks about that some. Could you also um, um, send me the links for those so I can make sure that those are um, on the podcast for people to find you? Sure, sure, definitely. Okay, thank you. Oh my god! Yeah, I just feel like you know, for me, thinking about religion in that way, it opens up a lot. You know, in, in terms of. I can feel totally at home in um, within a tradition and recognize its own completeness and uniqueness in a way, and yet not be afraid of my interface with any other religious tradition because um, you know, I can recognize that at some level their truths are unfolded within me uniquely and that they're there to discover, um, but that you know maybe through their own historical unfolding they've unfolded that potential in a way that I haven't realized yet. Right. So there's still reason for, you know, these traditions to communicate with each other because they, they haven't all, you know, unfolded their potential equally or in the same ways. Right. Hmm. Like, I mean, <laughs> this is how I felt in class at, at, like, a certain point. I just wanted to, like, sit. And, like, swim in the things you said. Like, I have so many, like, so the way in which you talk about this, and, of course, me going into the therapy side of the consciousness program, right? Um, And so talking about and doing the experiential, um, the experiential work, and then for me 
just with my learning disability with dyslexia and anxieties and things of that nature, um, experiential has always worked for me and like, and propels me to be able to learn and self self growth. And so like something about this conversation is making me just from a therapy standpoint, wonder, like, I know how that just resonated with me. And it was just this interesting, I had this interesting moment where my observing ego was listening and then having an experience. And as you were talking about the holographic, um, the holographic, like, um, what word am I looking for? Experience with religion and spirituality. I was thinking I had this moment in my mid twenties where I'm like, it's all the same thing. Like, I mean, these, they, they play out very differently, but it's seriously all the same thing. And I come from, a serious Roman Catholic family. And luckily my mom was very open and talked to me about it and has actually gone to see Ama with me and, um, other went to other places, which I think is super cool. And I felt super supported. Um, but like my, my pre predisposition is to go into this merge, right. Where like I can see the oneness of stuff and then knowing myself and my particular setup with my ego structure, of course, like I, I, I kind of merge and I just kind of wonder, um, how, what you said would resonate with somebody who's kind of on the opposite side of the pendulum or kind of if even, even within the paradox, right? Cause there's a paradox that plays out too. So like what you say and how that resonates. And I'm just, I'm just kind of like, I'm just kind of swimming in all of this, like, um, knowledge that you've kind of bubbled up. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's, um, that sense of it's all the same is really, you know, we are, um, you know, uh, the, the enfoldment of, of everything and everything else. Um, we, we kind of, I think that's an echo of that, that's a sense of that. And I like to, you know, playfully put it like, you know, where you, you say the is and the isn't at the same time. <laughs> like it, it totally is the, it's all the same, you know? <laughs> yeah, it totally isn't. <laughs> Yeah. It's so true, and that's so funny, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it is, you know, it is. <laughs> <In, isn't. laughs> oh my gosh, that's hysterical! It's a consciousness joke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know, it's, it's like I have a friend who likes to say that duality is a new non-duality. Yeah. <laughs> But it, 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 he's right. Duality is not duality. I mean, that's not duality. It's, it's, it's duality. <laughs> there's something right? about that. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so, in fact, you know, so there's just like um, kind of a, a delight in that, that silliness and that paradox. But it's also, you know, really I think it's profound that, you know, um, you, can, you can totally accept the deep relatedness and totally accept at the same time the utter uniqueness that can't be reduced to anything else. 
Mm, yeah. And, and to hold both of those things at the same time. And I think, like in therapy, you know, that's really important um, when you're relating to your client, both to know that, you know, uh, that, that deep, you know, uh, oneness that you have, and yet the, also, you know, the irreducibility of the other. Right. Um, you know, one of the ways that you can think about it is, because you know, sometimes we think about, like, consciousness and our influence on things and, and how consciousness shapes what we perceive. And, um, you know, I think there is definitely truth to that. We're co-constructing what we perceive and, and like, how we experience each other in therapy or in relationship. You know, um, we, 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 we become together, you know, who I am with you is, is different than who I am with somebody else. That's true. We influence each other in that way. That's and true. There, you know, obviously the other is not just a product of my, you know, constructing consciousness. Right. You know, so we have to say that what's real about the other is their irreducibility to your perception of that. Mm, it's deep. You know, you know, we perceive them, we know that there's a deep relationship we know that, in fact, there's a deep oneness that we can see and sense, and yet also um, what's most real about them is the fact that they can't be reduced to my experience of them at this moment. That's right. Hmm. There's always something that, you know, exceeds and escapes my grasp or your grasp, and that's this, you know, um, I don't know, this, this black hole, this mystery at, at the heart of each of us. Yeah. And that is such a beautiful, profound thing. And for somebody with anxiety who wants control, it's scary as shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the paradox. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for joining me tonight. It has been a pleasure. And I actually hope to have a follow-up podcast with you at some point to talk about some other things and go deep in another way um, in the near future, if you wouldn't mind. Sure, yeah, definitely I'd be open to that. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you for um, this conversation that I feel really, really did feed me in some way and it's delightful because I'm I'm doing this podcast to stay in connection and to learn and grow but with without um, that expectation uh, I'm also doing it to help community and people who need to hear something and maybe I have information or the person I am um, asked to come on will share some information that will help others. And I feel, um, I just feel super inspired after our conversation. So I thank you for the gift you gave me tonight. Wow. I'm very happy uh, to talk with you and I'm excited by what you're doing. It's, I think it's really wonderful. I'm, I'm glad you're stepping out in the world and you're doing something I, I thought about. And, and actually, I don't know if it's having the guts or the energy to do it, but I, I never, out and did a podcast and uh, I just think it's wonderful you're doing that I wish you the best with it thank you I appreciate that and we'll be in touch and have a fabulous night you too all right take care take care yeah, bye good night